Hello and welcome to the Tech Narratives podcast. My name is Jan Dawson. This is episode 66, the episode for Thursday, September the 28th. I have eight items to run through with you from the site today and then five items in the roundup at the end as well. We kick off today with number one. This is an item that comes from 9to5Google and it reports that Google is working on a premium version of the Google Home, tentatively called the Google Home Max, which would be at the opposite end of the range from the Google Home Mini that we're already expecting Google to announce next week to compete head-on with the Echo Dot. Uh, it's interesting, I wrote a piece today for Tech Pinions. it's a public column, and I'll, I'll try and remember to put a link in the show notes, about how the Echo line has matured given this week's product announcements. Uh, but one of the big gaps, uh, both at Amazon and at Google, is that premium end of the market where Apple's HomePod is going to sit, where Sonos presumably is going to sit to some extent with its products that it will announce next week. And uh, they're largely ceding that market today to those companies uh, and to some extent to their partners as well, allowing their partners to go after that. And we've seen some examples of products announced in that space already. This is the first sign we've seen that Google is going to be competing in that space too. I also heard from somebody claiming to have a source in the Google hardware team today who suggested that Google is working on a couple of devices with screens in this space as well, which would compete more directly with the Echo Show and help explain why Google would have pulled the YouTube app from those devices given that it has its own similar devices that it will be launching soon. So take all that with a pinch of salt, but it'll be interesting to see how that develops over the next little while. Number two, we finally got confirmation from Toshiba overnight that it is indeed uh, doing a deal to sell its memory group to a consortium led by Bain Capital for about $18 billion, Apple being one of the additional funders of that deal, putting in about a billion and a half dollars as part of that broader deal. Apple's involvement, of course, coming because it uses Toshiba's memory chips today for its iPhones and wants to ensure adequate supply and even priority supply of those memory chips, given the overall market context of higher prices for memory with short supply at the moment, given also the context of Apple's iPhone X launch, in which it's heavily dependent on Samsung for OLED screens, not wanting to be dependent on Samsung, the market leader in memory chips. Uh, for any additional components if it doesn't have to be. So uh, long time coming that deal, good to see it finally announced, if not closed, and there's still some complexities in the deal closing. Number three, GoPro had an event today at which it announced two new cameras. Uh, one of them had been announced previously, that's the Fusion, which is a VR camera. When that was announced earlier this year, it was very much positioned as a camera for professionals. It looked like a really high-end camera. I had assumed it was going to be priced well out of reach for most consumers, but in the end, it's being priced at around $700. So uh, not exactly consumer-grade, but certainly within reach for serious hobbyists, at least. And this is a very clever camera. We saw some details uh, earlier this year when it was first announced. It's been in a sort of pilot program for the last few months. Uh, it's a 360-degree camera with two different lenses. And what's clever about it is, firstly, it overlaps those two lenses such that it's able to eliminate whatever pole might be holding it. So it looks like it's floating in midair and, and filming somebody from a distance, which is a very clever effect. But it also creates 5.2K resolution video, which means you can create little HD slices of video from the circular video uh, from multiple different angles. So it could be as if you were shooting with several different cameras, but actually only shooting with one camera, getting multiple angles, creating a really interesting looking video from that. They also announced the latest Hero devices as their core range. It's the Hero 6. Interestingly, the maximum resolutions for both 1080p and 4K and frame rates are exactly the same as on the new iPhones. Uh, just highlighting the fact that so many of these functions can be handled in some way 
via smartphone at this point. And GoPro's challenge continues to be uh, carving out a unique niche for those people that want an action camera specifically with all the flexibility that offers. Number four, Roku IPO'd today after filing uh, for an IPO uh, at the beginning of this month and it saw its stock soar uh, on its first day. I think it ended up nearly 70% up on the day, kind of bounced around during the course of the day. It was mostly well over 50% up. It's a really great start for Roku. It's an interesting company. It's counter-cyclical in some ways in that it's focusing on advertising as a business model going forward at a time when TV advertising seems somewhat under threat and a lot of the streaming companies are moving away from uh, ad-based services also going up ahead, uh, going up against some of the biggest companies in the consumer technology industry, Apple, Amazon, Google, and so on. Uh, And yet it's been successful and it's going through this business model pivot from selling players to selling uh, ads and subscription revenue sharing uh, on its platform. And uh, clearly investors feel like this is an interesting opportunity for them to invest in. As with other tech IPOs earlier this year, the key now will be to show consistent progress against its objectives and that strategy over the next couple of quarters, something that Snap has arguably failed to do and which has seen its price fall down below the price at which it IPO'd earlier this year. Number five, uh, the FCC chairman, Ajit Pai, and others have been calling on Apple to, quote, activate the FM chip in iPhones uh, in response to disasters, especially in Puerto Rico and other uh, recent regions hit by earthquakes and hurricanes and so on. Uh, Apple's never really commented on any of this, which has led many people to speculate that there are FM chips based on either Broadcom or Qualcomm uh, chips inside devices. Um, And that's led to this call for Apple simply to turn it on as if that was all that was required. Of course, in reality, even if there were FM chips in these devices, you'd need Apple to expose that functionality through an SDK to developers, developers to build apps, those developers to submit those apps and get them approved by Apple, and for Apple to actually push out a new version of iOS to support all of that. So even if they were present, as I say, it would be nowhere near as simple as suggested. But it turns out, as Apple said later today, finally chiming in on this, that the iPhone 7 and iPhone 8 lines don't even have FM radios, and that earlier devices don't have antennas either, would require basically a a headphone jack uh, plugged headphones to act as an antenna. So some real practical reasons why this can't be done, uh, and especially in the newer iPhones. So a good example of how people will often criticize Apple over something which is ultimately a bit misleading, but Apple doesn't help its own case by failing to comment on it until pretty late in the process. Number six, Twitter put up a blog post today after one of its executives testified in Congress this morning about uh, Russian influence through Twitter, similar to the statement that Facebook made last week. Uh, It basically took the accounts that Facebook reported and looked for those on its own servers, found that a small number of those accounts were also present on Twitter, got rid of those or had already got rid of some of those. None of them had bought ads. But Russia Today, a Russian government-linked news site, had bought about $264,000 worth of ads in 2016 during the election period, some of which related directly to the election. And it disclosed all of that and talked about its broader fight against bots and other misuses of its platform. So a very similar set of statements to those made by Facebook last week. However, a couple of different congressmen weighed in and said that Twitter's response felt very inadequate, that it seemed to be largely derivative of work Facebook had done rather than doing its own investigations and so on. So this seems like something continues to play out. Both companies getting embroiled in this sort of political fight over Russian influence in elections last year and the impact that social networking had and all of that. 
the quick caveat, of course, is $264,000 at Twitter, $100,000 reported so far at Facebook. These are tiny, tiny numbers in the grand scheme of things on those two platforms in terms of their ad revenues. So worth keeping all that in perspective as this continues to roll out. Number seven, second Facebook story of the day. This one from the street about Facebook's news subscription offering that's worked on with major news publishers. It turns out three big news publishers won't be part of that, including two of the biggest names in US news, the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, as well as the UK's Financial Times. Uh, There will be the Washington Post, the Trunk and Hearst media groups on board at launch. Not hugely surprising, the New York Times and Wall Street Journal and FT will not be on board. They've all been fairly skeptical of... Uh, Facebook's other platforms like Instant Articles and have been critical of Facebook and Google in general. Uh, Wall Street Journal's owner News Corp being both a competitor on the advertising side and a critic of those companies. So not enormously surprising they're sitting this out. Uh, It's not technically all that important for Facebook to have everybody on board for now. It's not like people are going to stop seeing articles from those publications on Facebook Really, it's just trying this stuff out for now. If it turns out to be successful, it's possible those other companies will eventually come on board anyway. And then lastly from the site today, uh, number eight, Google has announced that the Google Assistant is coming to Android TV, to that platform, uh, which is still a pretty marginal platform in the overall scheme of things when it comes to TVs and set-top boxes and so on. Uh, Mostly present today on the NVIDIA Shield, the gaming-centric set-top box and then the Sony Bravia TV sets as well. And so for today, it's launching on the NVIDIA Shield. That's something that was announced way back in January at CES, and it's finally now happening. Uh, And then those Sony Bravia TV sets coming later. Voice control is a big deal both in music and TV these days. We've seen a lot of that over the last couple of weeks with various announcements from different companies. Uh, No surprise that Google wanted to add this to its TV platform as I say, in the grand scheme of things, not that significant a platform. Voice control functions look decent, if not completely comprehensive so far. I'm guessing that they will evolve over time as well. Part of that is the challenge of integrating within apps and making sure that the appropriate hooks are there to be able to control more than just opening an app and actually controlling playback within apps that Google itself doesn't own. That's the last of the eight items from the site today. Five other items to point out to you today. First off, piece from CNBC. Uh, This is really just a follow-up on yesterday's Amazon event. This is a number that I saw uh, out there yesterday but didn't latch onto and include in my coverage. But Amazon has 5,000 people working on Echo and Alexa. So a very large number of people, likely much larger than the number of equivalent people working on uh, similar projects at Google or Apple or Microsoft. Uh, Just another indicator of quite how far ahead they are in this. Apparently they have 1,500 open positions in that group on their site at the moment as well that they're trying to recruit for. So growing very rapidly from, I think, I saw 1,000 in May of last year. So very, very rapid growth there. Secondly, the Financial Times has a piece on the background to the Uber fight with Transport for London, the London Transportation Regulator, which recently uh, preliminarily banned Uber um, in the city pending an appeal and so on. So interesting background reading there. AdAge has a piece on... Uh, two-second videos, and uh, a lot of the ad industry has been very skeptical that somebody seeing an ad, a video ad for two seconds, can really have any meaningful impact. But there's an interesting study cited here which suggests that actually, yes, even a two-second video on something like Snapchat can have an impact, especially because the demographic that's likely to see it there is used to very quick interactions and can respond to that. So interesting data there, relevant also for Facebook. Number four, Billboard has an interview with three of the execs running Apple Music. Mentions in passing that Apple Music now has over 30 million subscribers, which is a new number. 
my guess is they're at 32, 33 million, somewhere around that at this point, not just passing 30 million, but uh, details there on where that service is, how the executives are thinking about it and so on. And then lastly, and I do tend to mostly point to long reads here, but this is a really long read on Medium from Mike Rundle, who has done a ton of digging through various patents that Apple's filed for over the years and done this sort of 10-year projection of where the iPhone might go. This is obviously enormously speculative and mostly just fun. Uh, but if you're up for a longer read, there's some really interesting stuff in there about some of what Apple's been working on and patenting that we might see in iPhones over the next 10 years or so. As usual, links to all of those things in the show notes along with the stuff I've talked about earlier, both my pieces and the original sources for the news I've discussed. You can check those out. You can always go to the site as well, read the posts themselves if you are a subscriber or sign up for a free trial uh, to uh, start reading that content there and see if that's something that you might find valuable going forward. Uh, thanks very much. As always, I welcome your feedback. There's a link um, to a couple of different ways to get hold of me in the bottom of the show notes as well if you'd like to do that. Otherwise, we'll be back with one last episode for the week tomorrow. Bye-bye.